Welcome to the Knife Junkie Podcast, your weekly dose of knife news and information about knives and knife collecting. Here's your host, Bob the Knife Junkie DeMarco. Welcome to the Knife Junkie Podcast. I'm your host, Bob DeMarco. On this edition of the show, I'm speaking with no stranger to the show, Michael Martin of American Blade Works. American Blade Works is known for making small batches of CNC-assisted handmade knives that go through painstaking R&D to come to fruition. For example, the American Blade Works Model 1 went through five design iterations before Michael was happy to call the design finished on version 6. Similarly, his Model 2 saw a number of versions before it hit the market. American Blade Works is a respected favorite of knife lovers, not only for its dedication to constant quality improvement, but for its no-nonsense knives that look good, feel good in hand, and perform spectacularly. We'll find out what's new with American Blade Works, but first, be sure to like, comment, subscribe, and share the show. That's a great way to help the show. Share it with a friend that you think might be interested. And as always, you can check out what we have to offer on Patreon. Quickest way to do that is to head over to thenifejunkie.com slash Patreon. Again, that's thenifejunkie.com slash Patreon. Discover how you can run your own six, seven, or even eight-figure business entirely on this one simple platform, thenifejunkie.com slash demo. Subscribe to the Knife Junkie's YouTube channel at thenifejunkie.com slash YouTube. Michael, welcome back to the Knife Junkie podcast. Great to see you, sir. Great to see you. Thank you. Uh, it's my pleasure. So uh, last time I saw you was uh, kind of the, the, the annual Blade Show time I get to see you shake your hand and uh, find out what's new. How was your Blade Show this year? It was great. Uh, we did very well at the Blade Show. We uh, introduced a couple of new items. Uh, you know, we haven't uh, made the Model 2 in a little while, so we uh, started those up again and then also uh, did a, uh, a new Warncliffe Model 1 as well as a fixed blade. Yeah, I was uh, loving the fixed blade. It's it's um, really, it's it's almost got a... a um, uh, well, it's very EDCable. Let me put it that way. It's right up my alley in terms of size, uh, three and a half inch and eight inch overall, I believe. Yep, uh, I have one. Oh, let's see it. Let's see, here's the, the new. Oh, man. Yes, I, I am loving this. So, well, let's jump right into it. Let Tell tell me about this fixed blade. I mean, we're going to talk all about the Model 1 and the Model 2 uh, because I recently acquired a model two that you gave me thank you so much and it is so amazing and i'll i will wax poetic about it in a while but <laughs> since you since you were just holding up the fixed blade i hold it up again and and what what um you know you're really known for your folders what inspired this well we wanted to do something a little different for the blade show um i've had a couple of people reach out and uh ask about a fixed blade and it's you can kind of see from the the little tab, it's real similar to the drop point on the bottom one. Um, so we just decided to do a little, uh, little something different for the knife show. I've made a couple of dozen of these and, uh, people seem to like them a lot. They have a, uh, a leather sheath or a, uh, Kydex sheath as well. And, uh, so it's just something uh, new for the lineup. Well, as someone who, uh, spends his time making folders, which are, relatively complex um you know pieces of uh cutlery uh you know you you've got to dial everything about that design into the to the very 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 smallest degree and i'm not saying you wouldn't approach fixed blades the same way but does working on a fixed blade kind of free you up a little bit 
it actually does. The fixed blade is very, very easy to manufacture, so it does free us up to do other things. And it, again, it's just something that uh, we uh, will probably do, you know, a couple of dozen a month and see how people like them. So far, the feedback's been great. What have you been hearing about them? Um, we did, uh, we haven't sold, we sold, I think, a few on our website. Most of them, the sales come from the Blade Show and uh, everyone that, uh, I mean, I, I brought a dozen for the Blade Show and sold out at the Blade Show. And so everybody seemed to like it. We offered in a uh, black micarta as well as a brown micarta handle on it. And uh, people seem to like it. It is MagnaCut. And so that's a big plus. Uh, I know MagnaCut's very popular now. So we definitely like to get that out there for everybody. Okay. Well, you, you, you brought it up, sir. MagnaCut. This, uh, yeah. this is my model too. Um, I, I'm in love with this knife. This is my first knife in MagnaCut, which is, uh, I don't know, seems kind of strange because it's been out for a while and uh, I do tend to buy, you know, acquire a lot of knives. Uh, but this is the first one in MagnaCut and, um, I'm very excited about this because you have a reputation for doing MagnaCut right. Tell me about, uh, how you, um, you know, your heat treat, uh, because a lot of people were a little squeamish about, bringing it up to where it belongs. Uh, tell me about your, um, you know, MagnaCut experience. Well, the MagnaCut, uh, we uh, usually do all of our heat treat in-house. But with the MagnaCut, it's uh, to get it on up there. People like it to be, and we try to get it to uh, a uh, Rockwell 64. And uh, so these, we actually sent out to Peter's heat treat, and he does such a great job with these, and he gets that uh, spot on. Um, we've gotten so busy that it's real hard to keep up with the heat treating in-house. And with the MagnaCut, it does uh, benefit to be a uh, vacuum heat treat process. And so uh, that's something we cannot do in-house. And so we had to send those out. But, uh, we get uh, all the blades that we get sent back. We have a double check that they are at 64 Rockwell. So different process in the vacuum heat treat. Uh, but also, um, capacity. Capacity is an issue. Uh, is that what I was getting from what you were saying? Yes. It takes me, uh, basically all day to heat treat about 25 blades. And so we're actually increased, uh, production quite a bit. And so now we're doing 150, 200 knives a month. And, uh, I just can't keep up with the capacity. So we had to send those out. Wow. Oh, that's, that's pretty, uh, that's a great problem to have a and be a great solution peter's heat treat is well respected and known you know throughout the knife world for the great work they do and i guess i can see why um why people why companies might be squeamish about uh taking magna cut up really high it might get brittle who knows you know it's uh everyone's everyone was at the time pretty new to it and also i would imagine um you go through expendables like belts and stuff like that a lot more. What What's that like uh, working with MagnaCut steel? The MagnaCut's actually a whole lot easier to uh, machine and manufacture. It's uh, I actually get about 20% more uh, on the CNC side as far as tooling um, on uh, cutting tools and mills and things like that. So it's actually machines a whole lot better than the uh, 20 CV and stuff I've used in the past. Wait, wait, I'm sorry. I don't understand. What do you mean you get 20% more? What do you mean? 
as far as uh, consumables, uh, cutting tools, uh, the Magna Cut, I, I end up getting about 20% more uh, knives done per end mill or per you know, okay. cutter. And so it's, uh, it's a whole lot easier to machine and the tools last longer. So I get more knives per cutter. Okay. Okay. I'm getting you. Uh, so, so the fact that it's at 64 doesn't matter or are you doing all of the grinding of the Magna Cut first? We do all the grinding and all the machine work first. And then we'll send it out and have it uh, heat treated, and then we'll uh, do a finished grind when it comes back. Okay, so I, I want to talk again. I want to talk about the two in particular, but I want to catch people up. Uh, maybe they didn't hear episode 148 when you first came on, or maybe they weren't with us uh, during the town hall that you were on. Uh, but tell us a little bit about how you got here. You haven't always been a knife maker. Um, tell tell us how you became a knife maker and and what it was like. Um, kind of crossing over into making this your life? Well, I've been a uh, machinist my entire life. I've been uh, in manufacturing uh, for over, it's been, gosh, it's probably been 27, 28 years now. And so uh, I worked at a large manufacturing company that uh, made parts for just about everybody. It was just a large contract manufacturer. So I have a lot of experience in machining. and then uh, I bought my first uh, small CNC machine. It's actually the one that you can see behind me. Uh, I bought it uh, five years ago and mainly started making knives as a hobby. The first year I had the machine, I only made 12. Uh, the second year, I made 40. Wow. Uh, and then the third year, it kind of blew up, and I made uh, I made 80 in the spring. And uh, a knife reviewer on YouTube got a hold of one, and uh, he didn't like it. And uh, so he suggested a bunch of uh, changes. And in about two weeks, I sent him a new knife. And he absolutely loved it. Did a great update on the review. And uh, I gave him a date as to when the uh, ED knives that I made would be on the website. And I sold them out in about 90 seconds. Wow. The rest has kind of been history. It's just been booming ever since. Uh, um, we were doing 15 hours a month, and it was just mainly myself. And then my daughter was in college. She helped me a lot. And so we did that for a while. And, and uh, now my wife, she's been a financial advisor for over 16 years. Uh, she left her full-time job to help me full-time. And, wow. and so we've uh, added machines. We've expanded. Uh, and uh, so now we're doing anywhere between 150 to 200 per month. And uh, we're actually looking at the expanding into a, build, uh, a bigger building. And so it's uh, always growing. Wow, that is that is great. That's that's the dream right there. You know, it's a it's sort of a seamless. I don't want to say seamless. I can't assume that, but it's a it's a a really nice transition to the point where the whole family is invested. Um, that's that's really exciting. But you just jumped straight into folders. Yes, it's uh, my original Model One was uh, the very first folder I ever made, and. Uh, we just kind of improve everything on that. I mean, right now we're up to the version six, and I think that's not going to be my final version. I yeah. finally got it. So we're always constantly improving, uh, but uh, no major changes on the V6s. Uh, it's it's unusual. This is a version five. I love it. I, I'm not exactly, sh- you know, at, at this point, to me, it's picking nits between this and the six. This is such an amazing knife. I love it. But, uh, what I was going to say is that's that's been part of your um, 
uh, sort of brand identity is, is your flexibility, your nimbleness, your willingness to listen, uh, you know, six versions, uh, to, to get to the perfect design of this. Uh, that's impressive. It also shows a real lack of ego and desire to just make the best knife. Um, what, what's it like receiving criticism time and time again? I actually like the criticism. Um, I take it very well. Uh, just because I think something's good doesn't mean that the mass population thinks it's good. So uh, I love hearing from customers. I love getting feedback. And if there's ever a problem, I, I address it. And so we're always changing and always taking in feedback. And I just, uh, even at the knife shows, when I talk to people, if they have suggestions, I'm always willing to listen and, and implement them if I have to. I'm always trying to make a better product. Um, so the model one, this is version five. So you went from this to a version six. What were the changes that perfected this design from here to there? Uh, the version six, mostly all the changes are internal. Um, I redesigned all the lock angles and the lock bar, um, moved the detent ball around, try to stiffen up the detent a little bit. Uh, but most of it from the V6 to the V7 is all, uh, internal work. Okay, you mean the V5 to the yeah, V6? Yeah, the, v- right? the V5 to the V6. Okay, and then you've also yeah. added, and so you very uh, graciously gifted me this knife. You loaned it to me from Blade Show uh, to check out, and I checked it out, and I fell in love with it, and I asked you how much, and you said uh, it was a gift, and I'm very grateful, and I immediately said, okay, put me on the books for one of these. I want to buy another Model 1, but I want a version 6, and you have a new blade shape. Tell us about that. Uh, yes, I actually did. Uh, everybody seems to like it. I uh, I did a uh, model one with a horn clip blade, and this one you can see is an Ultim. That's something new that we we did for the knife show, and uh, people really really enjoy this new one yeah, that- style. And you can see, I kind of you can see in the video a little bit. You know, this arc along the spine it just flows right across and so everything looks really really nice on it so i tried to really pay attention to the to the lines and how everything flowed together it is beautiful it's a it's a, a very very nice warncliffe blade that's one of my favorite blade shapes then again every blade shape is my favorite but warncliffe's especially uh warm the cockles of my heart but i i like the way you you took that slope very gradually and it comes to a bit more of a thrusting point, say, than a sheep's foot like this. Yeah. And I love, I love this sheep's foot blade, uh, by the way, also. But, uh, so I, I am the next batch you make of the model ones with the Warncliffe. I'm going to be adding that to my collection. I, I really look forward to checking out the differences. I did see in you, um, in the one you were just holding up, the Ultem, that, that you can swap the, uh, clip from side to side on the new one. Yes. Um, but so tell me about Ultim and what's the deal with that material? Everyone's like going nuts over it. I like it. I like the amber uh, shade of it. But what what are the um what's the benefit? Actually, everybody kind of jumped on board with it. Um, I uh, to be honest with you, I don't know a lot about the material. Uh, it got suggested to me that I should make some Ultim. Um, when I originally made it, I really didn't like it. Uh, it is transparent. You can see through it. Uh, you can see the internals, but the more I messed with it, the more I, it growed on me. So, uh, yeah, it was just kind of what the, what the market says. You know, everybody kind of right. 
wanted it, and, and I had a couple of people suggest it, and so I was like, yeah, sure. And so I made uh, some for the Blade Show, and that was actually the first time I, I sold all of the Holcomb out on the very first day. <laughs> That's interesting. So, I mean, it, 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 it pays to pay attention to the trends if, um, if bending to the trends doesn't in any way compromise, uh, you know, your, your work. And if it's a material choice, like Ultim, which is attractive and it's cool to show off the internals too. I would imagine there's a bit of pride in showing off the guts of this, uh, knife because you spend a lot of time on designing that and perfecting that in a way you get to show it off there. Yeah. It's, uh, again, like when I first, when I first machined it and first, first did it, I, I was kind of like, yeah, it's something different. I, and then, uh, seeing the internals is, is kind of cool. And so I, it's, uh, it grew on me a lot. It, like I said before, it's uh, when I first did it, I didn't wasn't sure if I was going to like it, but after I finished up some knives, it really looks great. And so, how do you feel about the Warren Clip? You said people were asking for that. Uh, do you like that blade shape? Yes, it's actually uh, a little easier to uh, to make. It is just a straight, you know, a straight edge, um, and so it is a little little easier to make. And a lot of people are asking, you know, for the Model Two and the Warren Clip and I keep getting people reaching out for the Model 2 and the Ron Clip, and so I was like, well, I can make a Ron Clip and a Model 1 as well. And so that's what I did. <laughs> I like it. We're all very we're all very happy you did. Uh, so the Model 2, uh, let's talk about this. Um, I'm going to tell you my um, my impressions of this knife. Um, uh, first of all, visually, I think it's really beautiful. This is one of those knives that looks really, really nice closed. I talk about that a lot. To me, this has the, I don't know, it touches, uh, it touches something in me that reminds me of like the 1930s. It's a little art deco. It reminds me a bit of, of a 1930s car or maybe the Chrysler building in New York City. Um, that, that, uh, horizontal milling and the shape of the handle and, uh, even, even the pocket clip, uh, adds to the beauty of this and and it also has a like a forward locomotive kind of uh feel to it too now now maybe i'm just going a little bit too deep in my own <laughs> head but but to me like it, it's a very beautiful beautiful knife in a way that the model one i really like and i i think it's also a very handsome knife but something about this uh is striking uh in in looks tell me about the design inspirations uh that went into that I like, uh, clean, clean lines, clean design. Um, I like that, uh, you know, the, the milling, like you were showing, um, it is raised. And so it gives you some nice grip. Um, when the knife is closed, I like, you know, I made the front of this so that it would line up with the back side of the scales here. And so that transition kind of comes straight along, but, uh, it uh, turned out real nice. I really, really like the milling. Um, and like I say, I like clean lines and it's just, and like all my knives, you can see the, the comparison here. Yeah. You know, the, the model one, uh, the model one and the model two still, you know, simple, clean lines, straightforward. Nothing, yeah, nothing too fancy, but I really like them. Oh, yeah. I mean, but that's what, that's what here I'm doing. I'm yeah, inspired. You're doing to do the same thing. I'm, I'm, uh, American blade work stacking for a while uh goofy knife guys did this thing called knife stacking and they would take pictures of knives all stacked up 
that's that's something we don't want to remember. The blade of this knife is one of the sharpest I have. And the funny thing is, is um, when I when I first got this knife or when I first used it on cardboard, I, I thought it was unusually sharp. And I immediately thought, wow, Magna Cut's pretty awesome. And then I thought for a second, I was like, wait a second, that's not the Magna Cut. The Magna Cut, I will say, is awesome when it's cutting, you know, uh, 30 days from now, I'll say, wow, Magna Cut is awesome. But right now, I'm talking about your geometry, and I'm talking about your edge. Tell me about making these blades. Like, what what is your process, and uh, and how do you get them so damn sharp? Oh, that's kind of a silly question, but um, it, it is it is astoundingly sharp. I actually learned over the years uh, to make my behind the edge very thin, and so I do try to start before I even uh, sharpen these. That when I when they come off the machine, they're about ten thousandths of an inch behind the edge before I even sharpen them. And believe it or not, I've sharpened every single one of these by hand. On a two by seventy two belt grinder, um, I do it all freehand. It's amazing. I mean, you can see sort of striations going down the blade um, horizontally, and I assume that that's uh, mill like mill lines. And uh, yes, that is mill lines. You can see on some of the uh, like I have a uh, model one that has the step, the step milling. Yes, yes. Um, that knife actually has the same, the uh, the Warncliffe on the Model 1 and the Model 2 has the same lines, but they're a whole lot closer. So you can see them, but you can't fail them. And so it's a whole lot a whole lot tighter on the build pattern. But yeah, these, these blades are all built. And they, I, I like the way those lines, how you kind of retain them. You can still see them. They're very, very faint, but they... Um follow the lines that are already milled into the handle. Yeah, I actually could have uh, stonewashed those kind of out, but I, I mm. felt like that I wanted people to see all the work that I put into it, and so I wanted to kind of leave that, so I did a lot stonewash on it, so you could still see those mill lines. So you're you're sitting in your in your shop right now, and we can see a giant machine behind you, and then the, a smaller CNC behind you. Uh, tell us about your process. I set up front CNC Assisted, handmade, I don't know. I, I, I don't know if that's the right definition, but that's kind of how I, like, you machine your own parts and then you put the, put the knives together, right? Tell us about your process. Uh, yes, we, uh, we machine everything in house except for the screws and the actual bearings and the detent ball. I buy those, uh, but everything else, the pivots, the pivot screws, all the handles, the blades, I surface kind the blades, uh, uh, mill all the blades, uh, mill the handles from just raw materials, uh, everything, every part on the knife, the backspacers, the body clip, everything is machined in-house. And then you just assemble them? It's just you, right? Yes, it's just me and my wife. I sit uh, several days a week. I literally sit at my kitchen table and assemble Still, knives. Okay, okay. So the first time you were here at uh, on episode 148, uh, you mentioned that sometimes you and your wife sit at the kitchen table assembling knives. Sometimes it's just, but, but the point is like, these are still, you touch every single one of these. You don't just touch them. I mean, you make them from scratch and it's, it's pretty amazing to me. I know a lot of people who are listening to this probably have 
or might have one of your knives. And it's hard to believe that just, um, it's just a, uh, a one and a half slash two person band, you know, making these. I say one and a half because I know your wife does other, does other duties, uh, you know, other things with the business. But, um, yeah. So how, how did you, so you had the experience of being a machinist. I assume that, um, took care of all the knife building stuff. But how did you learn about building a business? It's really just trial and error. Um, I didn't really, don't really know really that much about building a business. It's just uh, been the, the grace of God and, and, uh, you know, we've been successful and, and a lot of hard work and, and it's just uh, mostly just trial and error. Well, I, I mean, I think it was really smart and a very good strategy to get uh, the Model 1 in the hands of, I'm not sure who the knife uh, uh, reviewer is you were talking about, but I, you know, I could probably guess within five people or something like that. But my point is, it was a, a very good idea to get that in the hands of someone and and get your work in the hands of people who are absolute enthusiasts uh, because, you know, you are and you're making these things all by hand. It seems like you had a pretty good idea of how you were going to market these. Yes, uh, the knife reviewers pay, uh, played a very big role in getting my name out there and actually getting feedback. Uh, you know, I probably, you can uh, look up American Blade Works on YouTube and find literally dozens and dozens of knife reviews over the past couple of years. And these are experts that handle a lot of knives. And so their expertise is, is great, especially when they have feedback and you know, and I, like I say, I love feedback. And so when they tell me, you know, look, you, know, you might want to change this or improve on that, I'll jump right on it. And uh, usually I'll send them an updated version if I've improved on what they've suggested. Uh, but yeah, the, uh, the YouTube reviewers have made a tremendous amount of difference. So when you handle uh, another company's knives or another person's knives, what are the kind of things you're looking for? What do you think? Uh, you, I know what you think makes a good knife in your knives, but what do you look for in other people's knives? Actually, when I look, uh, most of the time, uh, being a machinist, the first thing I look for is the machine quality and uh, how much time and effort they put into, you know, fit and finish and, and uh, things like that, because it does go a long ways. Well, what about what about when you start adding people to the recipe? You know? Uh, say in a couple of years, or I don't know, whenever, I don't know what your timeline is, but it, there comes a time where people just want your knives more than you can just do, uh, with what your current setup is, and you bring other people in. How do you, you know, how do you control what ends up happening? I guess you really have to train someone like an apprentice. Uh, yes. Um, I mean, we're, uh, right now I'm working out of a 700 square foot shop that's right behind my house. Uh, me and my wife do everything. Uh, she runs uh, all of the machines. She makes parts and uh, helps out tremendously. And, and uh, we're hoping to grow into a. Uh, we're looking at a, uh, a larger building to have uh, built on some property we own. So uh, you know we're always expanding. I added another couple of machines this year, and and hopefully we'll add another machine or two. And then when the when the time comes to have to hire somebody, I will still be. You know, right there in the shop every day and, and, uh, have everything, you know, on hand and, and make sure everything's up to, up to par. Well, forgive me. I misspoke when I said one and a half people. 
making the knives. It's, <laughs> it sounds like your wife is solidly um, into the making part also. Yeah, she uh, she originally was helping me kind of part-time, but uh, all this year she quit her full-time job to help me full-time. And so it's been a tremendous help. And it's, uh, you know, I, I keep the machines running and she runs them. So she knows how to run every machine in the in our shop. That's awesome. So, uh, does your wife have, uh, her own design, um, uh, any aspirations for making a design herself? Uh, no, we talked about that. She hasn't uh, come up with anything, but I'm sure she could. Oh, that's cool. That, well, that's great. Then that, that is the, the ultimate partnership right there. You got someone who's equally invested and who you trust. Um, I always ask people about, you know, how do you bring another person? Cause there has to be there in a lot of companies' lives. There's a time where you grow to the point where you're bringing someone in and you got to show them the ropes and you have to expect some attrition, you know, some loss of, you know, through just teaching, you know, you're, you're going to burn through some materials while this person is getting ready. But ultimately, you know, it's your name that goes on those knives. So they have to be. They have to live up to that standard. So, I mean, I, I would imagine that is another difficult jumping off point. Like when you decided to jump off and become a knife maker. Yeah, it's uh, it's definitely going to be a, uh, when we expand, it'll be a trial and error thing. It's always uh, a learning experience and, and uh, it's just something that we'll have to uh, adapt to. And so as we, as we grow and expand and end up having, you know, employees, we'll just, uh, I don't think I'll ever expand enough where I have, you know, dozens of people working for me. It'll, you know, probably one or two more in, in a couple of years. Uh, right now, at the at the point we're at, we're happy with the, the rate of growth that we're going. And uh, when we expand, we'll uh, deal with employees and get them trained up. And I'm sure we'll have a, a lot of scrap and and uh, a lot of a lot of training. So <laughs> we'll see how that goes. Well, you know, I think I think people would be happy to see uh, American Blade Works expand. Um, and and just to put it in perspective, you're you're making an American made knife that is really really well considered, well researched, and designed, and 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 perfected through um, the process we were talking about before. And you have a couple of mo- three models, and and uh, plus uh, another tool or two. And they're affordable. I mean, they're they're not cheap, certainly, but they're not exorbitant in price. They're something that the average uh, guy or gal can save up for and get. Um, how how can you manage that? I don't I don't know. It, I don't think that there are too many American outfits like that. And um, so I I think basically what I'm saying is I think people would love to see you expanding. Yeah, it's uh, when when I originally started doing this. Uh, you know, there's a lot of great custom knife makers out there that have phenomenal products, and they sell them for what they feel is fair. I always wanted to make an affordable knife that just anybody could buy without, you know, a little a little easier on their wallet. So, uh, you know, I uh, I keep my overhead low, and everything that I buy as far as equipment. New CNC machines I pay cash for. And so I have nothing financed. And so I don't have any overhead. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, really it's just, uh, I try to make it as cheap and affordable and, you know, make a product 
uh, get product and uh, we try my best to get uh, American made materials and you know, obviously it's American made. And so I try to keep my price point. I've had a lot of people reach out and be like, how do you sell these so cheap? Well, I work for free. <laughs> so, <laughs> <laughs> so uh, you know, I don't uh, necessarily have to pay myself. So uh, it's, right. uh, it, but it does well. I'm, I'm real happy with my price point. I'm glad I can offer it at that. Well, something that was very exciting to me was um, in the model, too, was that it's an all-titanium uh, model. It's got a, a, a liner lock. I, first of all, I love titanium liner locks. I love frame locks as well, but something about a liner lock, especially on a flipper, uh, titanium, it's it's luxurious. Uh, but seeing a model that was all tie, uh, was uh, titanium was uh, very exciting. Uh, was that a market pressure or was that a, um, a material you were dying to work with? Well, the, uh, on the model two, the original, I only made 12 originally and they were titanium. Oh. And so I kind of stuck with it, but the original one was a frame lock and I've gotten the model one dialed in so good as far as being a liner lock. I just carry over the liner lock into the new model two. Um, but, uh, people love, you know, they do custom anodizing. And uh, so you can do a lot of stuff with titanium. So it's been, uh, and with, with the liner, uh, I can also change out the scales. So I'm hoping to do some modules mm. and maybe some carbon fibers and some different uh, scale materials. So what do you love to work with the most? What What are your favorite materials? Um, G10 is very easy to machine. Um, I've got the hang of making a lot of titanium stuff. Uh, Really, um, as far as ease of production, it's probably GTN and Macarta's are the easiest to work with. Um, you know, titanium has its problems. You know, titanium naturally is a little sticky material, so you got to kind of work with that. And so it's uh, a little more difficult, but it's not a problem. Okay, so you started off doing folders and... Uh and you have the um, the six versions of the Model 1. You've got the, the Model 2. What kind of things do you want to tackle in future designs um, in terms of folders? Uh, there are a lot of uh, different innovations out there, different, uh, you know, different, different things we all kind of like on our knives in terms of uh, locks and in terms of deployment methods. Uh, what kind of trends or or things that you haven't touched um are you looking forward to kind of investigating well i've actually ran a uh, prototype button lock and so i'm excited to bring that to the market as well as i'm going to do some uh, autos and then uh actually have a uh, a model three and a model four that i have not debuted oh as well as a smaller version of the model one it's going to be about 30, 40% smaller, uh, you know, because they are fairly, I'm not going to say it's a large, large knife, but it is a little, little bigger. And so I think a model one, you know, mini would, uh, I think people would like that a lot. That's a great idea because this design could easily, uh, this, this, um, handle design could easily shrink down and basically be just as ergonomic, uh, the way you designed it, you know, um, but so, so a model three and a model four, um, I know you're not going to show them here, but what are some of your, uh, design goals for these other knives? I haven't worked on them that much. I kind of did some rough, uh, 
rough sketches, and uh, I'm uh, actually even looking at them, maybe uh, making a uh, slip joint. Um, mm. Probably the next uh, thing that I do will be a, a Model 1 or a Model 2 and a button lock or an auto. So a button lock and an auto. I mean, basically, the research you do on the button lock is basically like figuring out most of the auto, right? Yes. It's basically a button lock as a springless auto. <laughs> so it'll be right. real easy to switch to the, the automatic if I do that route. So what uh, with the automatic, do you have uh, concerns about selling? I mean, there are, there are still, I think, just slightly less than 20 states that you can't buy autos in. I think that's correct. Um, is that even a thought, or is it just kind of whoever can get them can get them? Yeah, it's probably whoever can get them can get them. Um, there is, uh, you know, a handful of states that don't allow them, uh, but uh, we'll just uh, play that by ear and see how it works out. Yeah, yeah. Uh, luckily, we got uh, we got Doug Ritter out there fighting for our knife rights. Um, I love that guy. Uh, but so, um, what? Who are the designers? Who are the your peers, uh, uh, fellow knife makers out there who are doing it uh, right, or or in your eyes, uh, you admire? I've always, uh, ever since he started, I've always watched. You know, he used to have uh, knife making Tuesdays, and uh, you know, Grimsmo, John Grimsmo, his brother Eric, yeah. uh, great guys. I've talked to him a bunch. Uh, they even checked out my Model Two. Uh, here a while back and give me some pointers on it. Uh, super nice guys. I've watched him make knives out of his garage and grow up into a you know a very large business. And I've always uh, looked up to him because you know he started uh, his knife making Tuesdays out of a one day garage. And I've watched him. I've probably watched every video he's ever did, and I watched him progress over the years. And he's grown into a multi million dollar company. Um, and then, uh, you know, uh, North Arms and Three Rivers Knives do a lot of stuff that's similar to mine. Yeah. They make absolutely great products. I've talked to both of them, even their design side. And, uh, they've helped me in the past a little bit, so that's probably my top three. And then uh, I've uh, talked to Hulk Bladeworks. Oh, yeah. You know, he makes super, super nice stuff. And so uh, great respect for him as well. These are all makers that uh, that it makes total sense. Like I would put you on the same shelf with them if I owned any of their knives. Um, yeah, that 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 makes sense. These are people who are like you, um, not just uh, pumping out models, but there's kind of a searching. There's like a searching the whole time, uh, and and this goes back to your constant improvement sort of thing. Yeah, it makes sense that you would uh, feel a, a, a kinship with them. Yeah, they're all great knife makers, and I've learned over the years that, you know, being at knife shows and just reaching out to people I've actually never met through Instagram, but are other knife makers, and, you know, and asking me, I'm like, hey, you know, how do you do this? Or, you know, how do you overcome this problem? And everybody in the, in the knife industry is just so helpful and uh, so easy to work with. It's just... Uh, it surprised me a lot that, uh, you know, a lot of these guys that make way better knives than me will take the time to uh, give me advice and, and, uh, and tips and strategies. And uh, so it's been uh, the knife community is just really awesome. 
So when you're there, when you're at Blade Show and you, you're there, I know um, I've met your family a couple of times. You've got a really nice family. Um, when you're there with them, do you get a chance to move around and see what else is happening on the floor? Or are you constantly there? No, I actually get to move around. I usually make me a list of uh, people I want to see at the knife show, and I try to uh, make my rounds and try to, uh, to to talk to people. And uh, and I love you know talking to people. I can uh, carry a conversation on with uh, just about anybody, and so uh, I always uh, make my rounds. Usually at the knife show, it you know Friday, Saturdays kind of busy. Sundays kind of slows down, and I make more of my rounds or then you know friday morning when people setting up i kind of cruise through and see what everybody's up to do you collect knives yourself i do not i have several i probably have two dozen knives that i bought uh from various manufacturers that uh mainly uh for uh, you know just to disassemble and see how you know yeah. if i'm doing things like everybody else is doing so you know mainly to uh We'll say uh, research. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I get you. I get you. It's like back engineering, yeah. like what we do with <laughs> UFOs. Um, but it, it's it's interesting to see um, in the area of tables um, in Blade Show. And and forgive me if you, if uh, listeners or viewers haven't been to Blade Show, but but you'll follow me. Uh, it's table after table, and it's it's not separated by style at all, or curated by style at all. So you'll have this retro-futuristic beauty, that's what I'm calling it, um, next to a table, I don't remember who you were next to, but in that same area, there will be some uh, sort of old dagger, you know, um, made in Damascus in a totally different style of knife making, a totally different cutting tool, uh, but they have the same DNA at the very base. Um what is that like? I mean, because you're making these things and there are people that are making axes and Damascus and just very different things, but you're all under that same roof. Yeah, it's, uh, you know, a folded map and a fixed blade is, you know, completely opposite end of the spectrum. Um, you know, these guys that make their own Damascus and, you know, they're out there sweating it and, and you know, making this stuff and uh, they make some really, really nice knives. Um, and then, you know, on my end, it's, you know, some of the internals a little more technical. There's a lot more uh, things that you have to kind of get down in to make a folder actually work. Um, but, uh, but yeah, it's a, it's a huge mix-up. I mean, the guys that were right next to me, we got Ford's Fire Champions and, and small guys that, uh, you know, that do their own Damascus and they'll bring, you know, 10 knives to the show and that's all they're doing. Uh, this past show, I brought 124 knives. Yeah. Uh, so and sold out. Uh, all but twelve. I brought twelve home, but then the following Monday, I sold them. So it was, it was kind of the people that missed me at the show bought my leftovers. That's awesome. Yeah, I mean, uh, no matter it's like I tell my daughters, no matter what you do, you can't escape hard work. Whether it's the hard work of the forge or the hard work of making multiples with machines, you know, you're. I, I see. You know, either way, it's. It's hard work and you're moving, you're scrambling, you're slogging and you're, and you're, you know, you're making it, making it work. Uh, two different, very, very different, um, kinds of things coming out of that. But, uh, me personally, I, I could have both. I want both. I want it all. Um, <laughs> anyway, that's, that's my, uh, 
that's my knife collecting uh, <laughs> philosophy. Uh, what are some of the recent innovations that you're not taking adv- taking advantage of? Uh, that's not what I mean. And I kind of asked this question, and you were talking about the button lock, but what are the things you're seeing out there that are making you, you know, scratch your head? For me, I'll, I'll tell you, for me, it was the front flipper, and now I've kind of adopted it and gotten used to it. But anything out there that seems gratuitous to you? Uh, well, the front flipper, I've never got the hang of. I just simply can't do it. I get uh, fat fingers, I guess. I just can't seem to, just can't seem to do it. I have a couple of front flippers that I cannot, cannot operate. Um, <laughs> but not really everything. I mean, you know, the liner locks has been around, the, you know, autos, the push buttons. Um, right, I haven't okay. seen, uh, there's some stuff that's, you know, that, uh, some knock makers do that, you know, they may have a, a patent on and, uh, but yeah, uh, most of the stuff I've seen has kind of, you know, been around for a little while. Right, right. Okay, so uh, all that said, and with with your now your experience with making fixed blade knives, um, in the what what is what are you calling that fixed blade knife? Um, it says just fixed blade on your website. I'm terrible with names. That's why I have a model one and a model two, and uh, <laughs> I, <laughs> I haven't. Uh, Come up with a name for the fixed blade, so I've just been calling it the fixed blade. Um, so maybe somebody out there can uh, suggest a good name because uh, other than uh, you know model one, model two, model three, there's nothing I can really come up with. <laughs> I like that. I, to me, it's evocative of like uh, Rolls Royce, or I don't know if Rolls Royce, but of like classic automobiles, classic cars. You know, the Mark One, the Mark Two. You know, uh, I think I think that naming convention is is pretty cool. Uh, but did that whet your appetite for fixed blades? Are you going to make more? Um, I'll make more of the same style uh, of this one. Um, Good. I may make something else in the future, but uh, more likely I'll stick with this for a little while. Um, I would uh, probably love to make some type of uh, tactical axe maybe in the future. But, uh, you know, so we'll see about that stuff. If you need someone to send the tactical axe to to see if it's tactical enough, you can send it to me. Um, uh, oh, what I was going to say about the fixed blade is uh, uh, that there is a real trend for EDC fixed blades right now, and I'm always talking about them. Um, and I know that a lot of other uh, YouTubers are talking about fixed blade knives and how to incorporate them into daily carry. Um, and it seems like the fi- your fixed blade is is kind of just the right size it could it could fit in one of those pocket sheaths um using the kydex and the and the discrete carry uh clip i think it's uh i think it's a great thing to offer in in addition to the model one and two because a lot of people are craving uh this kind of thing can you hold it up again since you have it close at hand yeah you can see uh you can kind of see the you know the model one versus yes this fixed blade, you can see the, the flipper tab on the model one. Um, you know, the blade's a little longer, but not much longer. But I really wanted my fixed blade to be real similar to the model one. And it's kind of close on the, the blade design a little bit. Um, but you know, it's not much bigger than, actually, if I get that thing to photo, you see it's really the fixed blade. Is the same, almost the same size as far as overall length as the model one. The fixed blade has something that I love in in EDC fixed blades, which is 
a relatively small handle, smaller than the Model 1, and round it off at the top because I like to carry it in the waistband, whether on the side or up front. I've been carrying it up front appendix a lot recently. And the rounded, it, it might sound funny, but the rounded um, uh, pommel is just comfortable up against, you know, the love handles when you sit down yeah. and, <laughs> and against the ribs when you're in the car. Sometimes, you know, a, uh, a fixed blade uh, handle will stick you in the ribs. So I think that rounded off. Uh, and then there's a very gentle curve to the, to the whole spine of the, of the whole blade. And I think that that's a, uh, it, it looks really nice. Is, is the, are the leather sheaths yours or do you have those made? I actually had, uh, this set, the set I sold at the Blade Show, uh, I had them made. Uh, but I've actually, while I was at the Blade Show, I bought a very large leather sewing machine. So we will be doing those. Some leather work in house, and I have a couple of little ideas, maybe some EDC stuff for some uh, some leather work as well. So we're happy to offer that soon. That is uh, that's great news. I love leather when possible, and I've seen um, I've seen well uh, Dylan Grace, a knife maker, he does his leather sheaths almost like Kydex blades, just kind of lock in there. So I I love leather as a material, and I would love to see it more and more, um, you know, used like kydex is used you know um, not just not just for uh dangling on the belt but for tucking in I, i'm a in the waistband user so yeah uh, that kind of thing or the way uh, the sheath for your fixed blade uh kind of rides real snug horizontally to the belt that's also a big appeal to me yeah i'm a lot uh old school i like uh leather i like the feel of it i like the sound yeah. of leather um you know the smell of it you know i i'm uh and a lot of people, you know, it goes either way. You know, some people definitely prefer Macadex, but I'm still more old school with take leather over Macadex any day for me. Yeah, no doubt. And you and and you can do a lot. You, know, you can you can make uh, low profile leather sheaths that fit in your front pocket that accommodate the knife and also you know a flashlight or pen. Yeah, you, know, you can you can make it work. Um, yeah, this is a beautiful knife. I, I, I'm, I'm digging this. Uh, for those listening, Jim just put it up on screen. So, uh, so are these all sold out? When I was on the website, it looked like they were. Yes, everything's at the moment is sold out. I'm actually, uh, I have uh, blades coming. They'll probably be here Friday from the heat treaty. Uh, mm-hmm. And so uh, my next batch so hopefully will be next week and I'll start having uh, more. I'll have more model ones and uh, drop point. The long cliff and more model teams, and then the fixed blades will probably be in two weeks. I should have more fixed blades. Nice. Uh, so uh, I saw something else at the top. It looked like a a razor tool of some sort. What is that? That was something I made. It was about three years ago at the just for the knife show, and it was a little. It takes an exacto knife blade, uh, and it's kind of a an opposite. It's not really an out the front. It has a little slider, uh, but you push it and the blade comes out. And then when you let go, the blade automatically retracts. Um, I made probably 50 of them uh, about two years ago. And so I uh, kind of had hit and miss. A lot of people liked them. Some people didn't. And so I kind of got busy with everything else and uh, haven't made them since, but that's definitely something I'm going to start produced and I made them in stainless and brass the last time. So it's kind of like a uh, just a small little Q 
keychain. He's you know it's got a blade in it, so it's kind of the opposite of an out the front. It actually shoots you know in instead of out. <laughs> so it's, oh, a, oh, it's yeah. kind of an opposite. It's uh, the way I made it. You push the slider, the blade comes out, but as soon as you let go of the slider, the spring will suck it back in. So it's keeps uh, it uh, the blade oh, secure. Yeah, that's right. I remember. I, okay, I remember that now. Yeah. yeah so you can push yeah. the slider. The blade comes out when you let it go. It's spring loaded and it, it retracts back in. Yeah, that's actually perfect for a keychain because I've had numerous keychain knives, and from time to time they open up on you, and you kind of wish you didn't have that keychain knife on your keychain. Yeah. Uh, but to, but to have that, so that that begs the question: uh, if you weren't making knives, uh, and but you were not in your old uh, job as a machinist, what kind of things would you be making with all those cool machines behind you? If it weren't knives and you couldn't do knives, uh, never really thought about it. Uh, maybe gun parts. <laughs> cool. I kind of <laughs> thought that was coming, but uh, yeah, I haven't really thought about it. Um, you know, really with CNC, uh, you can make uh, just about anything. So, well, yeah, I mean, you're a very, very valued person. Uh, you know, in the apocalypse, heaven forbid. And I'm just kind of being uh, making a joke, but uh, but. I mean, that's what I mean. You have the skill basically to fabricate the skill in the machinery to basically fabricate anything out of metal and many, many other materials, right? I mean, you can put wood and CNC, you can put anything in there, right? Yes, I actually have uh, the uh, the bigger machine that's directly behind me. Uh, I did a little side job, and I made uh, electric guitar bodies and oh. aluminum necks for the same guitars. Uh, I did probably. 25 or 30 of those uh, before I started making uh, knives on the big machine. I bought the machine. The uh, the guitar contract kind of helped pay for the machine. And so, yeah, so you can make just about anything. Aluminum necks are extremely rare and unusual in the guitar and, and bass world. I, I, uh, well, I mean, I'm, I'm constantly kind of trolling online looking at old guitars just for fun. Not that I'm going to spend the money on them, but uh, there is one company, I can't remember who it is now, that had a sort of V-shaped headstock, and they had aluminum, uh, they made fully aluminum necks, so that is that is pretty cool, you you can count yourself among a very uh, elite crowd of luthiers, or at least, <laughs> uh, at least guitar part makers. Yeah. Is that a company whose name you could divulge? Um, yeah, sure, it was uh, Illuminati. Guitars, uh, they make some very very nice stuff. Uh, they're right here. Um, they're about uh, fifteen miles from me, so it's right here in Asheville, North Carolina. Uh, so yeah, so everybody go check them out. They make some high end, very very nice guitars. I will definitely have to check that. It's 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 just fun to look at gawk at guitars and imagine a room full of them right next to the knife room. Uh, <laughs> Michael, so uh, tell me uh, before I let you go. I want to find out what your dream project is. That's that's the thing that before you hang up your spurs, you want to make sure that you make this one knife. Do you have a- any idea what that might be? Actually, I don't. Uh, I just kind of go with the flow. Um, I there is a I like I say I have several knife designs that I haven't even prototyped, um, but as far as one that stands above the rest, I don't have any. Well, uh, whatever you end up making, I, I, I think I'm going to love it because I love this and I absolutely love my Model 1. And, uh, 
these are really excellent knives. I, I highly urge everyone listening. Uh, what's the best way for people who want to get one of your knives? How, what's the best way to find uh, find out when you're making a drop and that kind of thing? Usually I make knives. I start a new batch at the beginning of the month. And so when, once we get towards the end of the month is when I have knives available. Um, I will always post updates on uh, Instagram. So that's the easiest way to see updates. Um, and then once I get knives, they'll be, you know, loaded onto the website. Um, I also have, uh, I do updates on uh, Facebook as well. All right. Well, Michael Martin of American Blade Works, thank you so much for coming back on the Knife Junkie podcast. It's great to talk to you uh, and catch up with you again uh, for, for a longer period of time than just the five minutes at Blade Show. So, man, it's great seeing you uh, and hi to the family. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. My pleasure. Take care, sir. Thank you. You too. StreamYard simplifies the process of live streaming and recording videos. It allows you to create content seamlessly from your browser. With its versatile features, you can multi-stream to various social media platforms, host regular shows with guests, conduct webinars, record podcasts using local recordings, and create videos with ease. StreamYard has become a popular tool among live streamers, video creators, YouTubers, and podcasters. Its impressive array of features includes live streaming, webinars, local recordings, screen sharing, and more, ensuring that you can produce professional and polished content every time. Get started for free at theknifejunkie.com slash StreamYard. Do you use terms like handle the blade ratio, walk and talk, hair pop and sharp, or tank-like? Then you are a dork and a knife junkie. There he goes, ladies and gentlemen. Michael Martin of American Blade Works. Uh, you'll have to excuse my waxing poetic about this. Being a Zephyr-like train from the past and all that, uh, uh, these are things that probably I should keep to myself, but I just think it's such a beautiful design. Uh, be sure to check him, uh, American Blade Works out on Instagram uh, to find out when those new Warren Cliffs, that's what I'll be getting. And maybe I'll get Ultim. I don't have any Ultim. Um, you know, uh, a couple of firsts with uh, American Blade Works like Magna Cut. Who knows? Maybe Ultimate is in my future. Anyway, be sure to join us again next Sunday for another great conversation with a knife luminary, uh, as well as Wednesday for the midweek supplemental. And then, of course, Thursday for Thursday Night Knives, 10 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, right here on YouTube, Facebook, and Twitch. For Jim working his magic behind the switcher, I'm Bob DeMarco saying, until next time, don't take dull for an answer. Thanks for listening to the Knife Junkie Podcast. If you enjoyed the show, please rate and review at reviewthepodcast.com. For show notes for today's episode, additional resources, and to listen to past episodes, visit our website, theknifejunkie.com. You can also watch our latest videos on YouTube at theknifejunkie.com slash YouTube. Check out some great knife photos on theknifejunkie.com slash Instagram, and join our Facebook group at theknifejunkie.com slash Facebook. And if you have a question or comment, email them to bob at theknifejunkie.com or call our 24-7 listener line at 724-466-4487, and you may hear your comment or question answered on an upcoming episode of the Knife Junkie Podcast. 